Hi folks, and welcome to another episode of the Future in Finance podcast series. This week we're talking about CMAP topic 12, which is health and general insurance. If you're new here, I'm Charlotte and this podcast is dedicated to helping you smash through those CMAP exams. Every week we pick one of the topics from the London Institute of Banking and Finance's study texts and we work through it together, trying to give it some pizzazz and dropping some real world examples in along the way. If you're not new here, welcome back. You're a fucking legend. It's great to have you. Now, remember, if you don't want to miss an episode, you can hit follow, press the little bell notification if you're on Spotify. And not only will it give you a little ding and a reminder when we've dropped an episode, but it also means we get to see how many real life people tune in each week. Now, I am delighted to tell you that this week we have the return of our favourite money muggle, the finance dumbass, my best mate, and undoubtedly the poshest bird to now have ever lived in Liverpool. (laughs) Pal, how's it going? It's good, thank you. Although I do feel like I'm wildly out of practice with this podcast lark. I'm feeling very intimidated by the microphone. Yeah, we have procrastinated on this for quite a while. Really hard. So those of you that don't listen every week, Maria's not been here the last two weeks because she's moved out of my bedroom and into her (laughs) own house in Liverpool. So this week we are on location because Maria's laptop is broken, so I've come here to do it Thank you, Curry's PC World. I bet it's so weird for people who are finding this podcast now, listening back the last six months trying to to listen into us, trying to figure the CMAP stuff out. And it's always really different because every week I'm like, I have some exciting news, but genuinely every week I really do have some (laughs) exciting news. This week is no different. So if you're not registered for the free CMAP exam training webinar, which takes place next Thursday, which is the 27th of July at half past eight, then hit pause, stop listening to this and go and find the link on TikTok, on Instagram, on the website. Doesn't matter how you get there, just get there if you you can. can. Put your email address in, it'll pretend like it's done nothing, but what it'll actually do is give me a notification to say, send you a link to a Zoom invite so that you can join us there. It's an hour's completely free course. I'll walk you through what's expected on exam day, whether you're going to sit in an exam centre or whether you're going to do it remote. Plus, we'll work through a ton of mock exam questions together. It's going to be gold dust if you're studying for your CMAP. And I can tell you that I'm the only person that's offering free stuff at the minute. I have looked out there. There is nothing. So do snap it up while you can. I've got a maximum limit on Zoom of 100 participants, which sounds really ambitious, but there's already 70 people that have signed up. So bag your space while there's still spaces. The CMAP One Masterclass is now live and ready to book. If you're listening to this episode on release day, there is an extra 10% off just today because we've just got ClearPay set up, which means that you can pay in four instalments. So it's down from £279 for a five-day fast-track course to £251.10. So if you're lucky enough to be listening to this on the day and you've been interested, now is the time to book because I'm never going to discount it more than that because it's already now 60% off and I actually need to be able to make some money. The response has been overwhelming for it. The September dates are booking up fast. There's three spaces left for September and I think there's still six left for October, but you get the delight of me and no more than seven other students working through the material together and getting exam ready. You get access to an e-learning platform so you can do prep in your own time. You also get access to it as and when it's being developed. You get the complete audio study guide, which is instantly ready ready to download. And it's 25 units covering all the topics. And you get a one hour's one-to-one coaching session with me before exam day. Oh my God, I'm falling over my words. All for the bargain price of £251.10 for today. And if you're listening to it on any other day, it's going to be £279. And if you're thinking that's way too cheap, because all the other ones are like £600 that you've seen on the internet. Yes, you are correct. It is way too cheap. 
it's an early bird offer, so you're getting access to everything as I make it and as I release it. So it's to celebrate the launch of the course. And the dates are the 4th to the 8th of September for the September course or the 2nd to the 6th of October for the October course. Go to the website, which is futureinfinance.co.uk and click on the masterclass. Have a read. If it's for you, see what you think and bag your space. Oh, I almost forgot about the jingle. That's the first time I've ever forgotten about the jingle because the jingle is usually my favourite bit. Okay, so Maria, please. Cue forgotten intro music. Thank you. So as we mentioned earlier this week, we're going to cover topic 12, which is health and general insurance. So before the end of today's episode, we should have a really good understanding of critical illness cover, income protection insurance, accident, sickness and unemployment insurance, private medical insurance, long term care insurance, the key principles of general insurance, building and contents insurance and car insurance. Also, just realised I usually shorten these so that I'm not doing a full unit, because usually I say you need to pay me a tenner for the full unit, but we might actually get through a full unit today. So this is like a bonus bargain freebie for you. You're welcome. Now, the topic focuses on products that basically help mitigate the risk, the financial impact of ill health. So everybody understands what insurance is. It's to cover you for worst case scenarios. So car insurance covers you for a car accident. Then we have things like critical illness cover. So with this kind of cover, it would you would pay for it monthly, just like any other kind of insurance. And if you needed to make a claim, it would provide a tax-free lump sum. So one big payment to meet the additional costs that someone might face if they find themselves critically ill. Okay, does it... Uh, and you can use it for whatever. So there are some things that are excluded. There are a lot of things that are included. So... Cover varies from one insurance to the other. So if you have a ring to take out critical illness cover, they'll be like, is there anything in particular that runs in the family that might not be covered? But things that would be covered typically include most forms of cancer, heart attacks, stroke, coronary artery disease that requires surgery, major organ transplants, multiple sclerosis, kidney failure, and conditions that are sometimes covered but not always covered are paralysis, blindness and loss of limbs. Good God. Don't ask me why those are like, we might cover you if you lose a leg but not guaranteed. An exam question I have seen though in a number of mock exams relate to what illnesses are covered with this. So do take a look at those again. Sometimes they cover paralysis, blindness and loss of limbs but not all the time. That's wild. That's well specific. I think it's because people are more likely to suffer one of those three things than they are the rest of them. So it's a higher insured risk. There's also something called income protection insurance. So this comes into play when accidents or illness prevents someone from earning a living or from carrying out their normal occupation, whatever that is. A lot of insurers also offer income protection insurance to people whose main responsibilities are in the family home. So if you were the parent that decided to quit your job to look after the kids, although you're not technically earning a wage, you are covering the costs of childcare, which are well expensive. I'm speaking from experience. Oh, you mean financial institutions have decided to acknowledge domestic labour as actual work? Yeah. What do they call it? What the fuck? Non-compensated 
member of society. I can't remember what the there's a term now for for, for all the shit our Mars did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and it's just because although they don't technically earn an income on paper, they are actually the household would fall apart without them. A really yes. big service. So there's a couple of different things that can affect how much you pay for these types of products. A major factor is your occupation of whoever it is that you're insuring. So, for example, if you work at a desk or you work in admin or just in like a general clerical role you'd be under class one, which is the lowest risk class. Whereas if you work as a manual labourer on a roof with certain chemicals, you'd be a class four. Or I guess if you worked on an oil rig, I've not checked this, but you get the idea. High risk jobs, class four, more expensive premiums. Yeah. There are some occupations that are excluded from income protection insurance altogether on the basis that they represent too great a risk. Sadly, it doesn't give me any examples, but can you think of one? Skydiver. Yeah, I bet they're not covered for it. That fucking... off. What did you jump out of? The satellite in the stratosphere or something and did like a solo skydive that was from outer space. I haven't did seen that. Did you remember this? No. Oh, I'm was, glad I haven't seen that. I'm not going to lie. It's not my thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Red Bull sponsored and everyone went after Red Bull being like, this is so irresponsible. Like... children drink your energy drink and Red Bull were like one they shouldn't be two if anyone thinks this is a good idea you morons (laughs) we sponsored him because we sent the Red Bull logo to space now other factors that include the rates are how old you are when you want to get insured the amount of benefit you want to be paid out to yourself the current state of your health your past medical history and the length of a deferred period which I'm going to loop back around to shortly if you don't know what that is yeah uh, we need to talk about how the payments on income protection insurance are structured. Structured. So there are two ways that you can structure your repayment, your payments for this. You've got reviewable payments and guaranteed payments. So with the reviewable premiums, a review. Yeah, I can't say it. Reviewable. <laughs> a premiums. reviewable premium means that your payments might start off pretty low but they get reviewed maybe annually and they might go up every few years or so. So in some cases, the payment might be reviewable every year, every five years, and it just takes into account any changing circumstances. So if, you, if you've if you had a rough time medically and they do a review, they're likely to bump up your premiums. So if you've had a rough time medically, you're also about to have a rough time financially. financially as well, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you've got guaranteed premiums. So these ones are a little bit more expensive because they don't do the reviews so whatever you pay now is whatever you will pay for the life of the policy but naturally they're going to be more expensive because they can't account for that increase in the money that they're going to get i'm assuming they have lots of little caveats in there that's like if you make so many claims we're probably not going to cover you because we hate you yes after that point (laughs) now you can also opt for a waiver of your premium So if you ever have to make a claim and receive income protection payouts, there's an option where you wouldn't then have to keep paying your premiums to keep receiving the benefit. Because usually they will only pay out a percentage of your wage. But something that is really important to understand when it comes to these products is the deferred period that I mentioned earlier. So this is the length of time between when an illness or an injury takes place and when they start to pay you. So... Let's say, for example, I've got income protection insurance and I fall off a roof. I'm not a roofer, so I'm covered. And I can't work because I've broken both of my legs. Just use it as an example. Just bear with me. I'm with you. I'm with you. 
A deferred period, there's usually an average one of about four weeks. So it means that from the date when I stop working, they're not going to pay me that four-week section. Right, okay. You can extend that deferred period. So if I had six months' worth of savings, I could say, do you know what? I don't need paying for six months. I'm good. I've got cash in the bank. That makes my premiums much cheaper because the likeliness of me falling ill and not needing paying for six months... Right is way less than the likeliness of me needing pain within that four-week time scale. Because right. it would equally, if I had to have my appendix out, I might only need six weeks off work. I would still be covered, but if I've got a four-week deferred period, they're only going to pay me for two weeks. So it means you're less of a financial risk for them. Exactly. So if I turned around to them and said, I, don't, I need a deferred period of two weeks and then I need pain because I'm going to be skint, my premiums are going to be higher because there's more of a chance that they're going to have to pay out for something. Yeah. With me? With you. Fab. So if you want to make your premiums cheaper, opt for a longer deferred period. You can usually do it up to like six months and that makes it a lot cheaper. One thing that we do need to know for the purposes of the exam is that every policy has a minimum four-week deferred period and that's to prevent multiple claims for minor stuff like colds. So anyone that suffers from inverted commas, man flu, Uh no claiming. Yeah, exactly. So a minimum four-week deferred period. Payment levels are set so that you don't receive more when you're off sick than you would have done if you're working. So it's not as appealing. Exactly. So usually with these policies, they will pay up to either 50%, 65% or 75% of your earnings. You won't get your full earnings back in these kind of policies. No, but it will be... Something rather than nothing. And the benefits are get paid until retirement, death, or at the end of the policy, if you've set a policy term, or if you're able to go back to work. Uh, The cover is permanent in the sense that the insurer can't cancel the cover because you keep making numerous claims. So it used to be referred to as permanent health insurance, but it can be cancelled if you stop making payments or you take up a hazardous job or hazardous pastime, like skydiving or working on an oil rig. Oh, so not just job, but pastime. So if you hobby... Like, obviously, I climb. Yeah. If you told them that you climbed, they would either refuse to insure you or they would make your premiums a lot higher because the chances of you being off with a broken leg are exponentially more than if you didn't climb. So they usually ask you when you take out these kind of policies, do you do anything... Well dodgy and stupid. Yeah. Now, we need to talk about how the benefits from an income protection policy is taxed. So when it's taken out on an individual when it's taken out on an individual basis, the benefits are tax free. But income protection insurance can be arranged by your employer on a group basis, and in this case, the income tax is taxable as earned income, but your emp- employer pays the premium, which is a tax de- deductible expense. It's very unlikely that that's going to come up in the exam. But if you take it out yourself, you pay no tax. If your business takes it out, you get in- income taxed on it. So next we're going to talk about accident, sickness and unemployment insurance. And this is a little bit different from income protection insurance and they could be considered as an alternative. So accident, sickness and unemployment insurance, or we're going to refer to it as ASU insurance from now on because I can't with that, is typically used to cover mortgage repayments if illness, accident or loss of employment prevents you from earning a living. So you get a level of income that's equal to your mortgage payments and it's paid for a limited period, which is usually a maximum of two years. You can sometimes take out additional cover to 
cover things like essential outgoings, but ASU policies differ in the respect they're not going to pay out forever and they generally only cover your mortgage payments. Okay. With me? With you so far. Okay, good. Now, these kind of plans should be viewed as short-term to protect mortgage payments rather than a long-term protection policy because you've got that two-year maximum on there. So we've done critical illness, we've done income protection, and we've done accident, sickness, and unemployment. Next, we're going to talk about private medical insurance. I'm pretty sure everybody's at least heard of private medical insurance, so you've all heard of Booper, I'm guessing? Yeah, I mean, if you haven't heard of private medical insurance, you've definitely heard about pet insurance, which is the same thing, but, but for just your for pet. Yeah, exactly. So over the last few years, especially private medical insurance, it's been talked about more and more because of what's going on with the NHS. So a lot of employers and businesses now offer this as an employee benefit, and people are increasingly looking for private medical insurance because of NHS wait times. Now, private medical insurance is a pure protection plan, and it's designed to cover the costs of private medical treatment it doesn't cover for everything, though, so there are certain things that aren't covered. Some policies offer additional benefits, like the payment of a daily rate if treatment is delivered within an NHS hospital, and it involves overnight stay cover as well. So plans can be arranged on an individual basis or as part of a group scheme that your employer would usually set, set up. Employer-sponsored schemes currently account for most private medical insurance policies, Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that either. So the way in which the benefits are paid varies between providers. So some will offer a refund of charges, which isn't ideal because not everybody can afford to fork out four grand or whatever it is mm. for private medical costs. Other plans, um, you can they can claim directly. So right. they get billed by the hospital or whoever it is, that, whichever hospital you go to. So it's similar to pet insurance? like You can claim at the vets. Yeah, yeah. the vets can claim for you, exactly. There are a couple of different things that affect the cost of medical insurance. So first up, you've got location, which sounds weird, but it's mainly because the cost of medical care varies throughout the country. So if you're in London and you go to a private hospital, it is going to be well more expensive than if you go to a private hospital in Liverpool. Is this kind of the same idea as people going to Turkey to get the teeth done? Exactly the same. <laughs> Just come up north to have your appendix out. It'll be cheaper. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> The type of hospital where you go to, um, again, is likely to affect the cost of cover. So treatment in post-grad teaching hospitals in London is more expensive than anywhere else. That's not a shock. I thought that was quite shocking. Why? Because it's... It's London. Yeah, but it's a teaching hospital, so you're not going to get seen to by students. Not that that's a bad thing. I've got nothing against medical students. Go you. But I've watched Grey's Anatomy repeatedly, and I've seen how much they used to fuck up in the first few seasons. I mean, yeah, but it's London, and also because it's London and it's medical, that is, they are the biggest research, medical research centres. So they're not just teaching hospitals, they're also research centres. So they get a fuck ton of funding. So it's like going to see House. Exactly. Okay. And I only know this because I have friends in the medical field before anyone thinks that I have any form of medical <laughs> knowledge outside of put a plaster on it, you'll be fine. So it's literally where the money is. So if you have specialists, world-renowned specialists will go to capital cities, won't they? Okay, well, now that makes more sense. I mean, it's still bullshit. Agreed. For anyone listening. <laughs> you can take out a bunch of different private medical policies. So they do, like, budget options, which will cover some stuff but not other stuff. Um, and 
The limit may take the form of a finance limit on the amount of benefit that is provided for each treatment. And also you generally don't get cover for things like routine opticians appointments. Which is bullshit. Uh-huh. Routine dental care, routine maternity care. Is it chiropody or chiropody? So I say chiropodist. And I say chiropodist. And I think that's probably just because my mum's Greek. And so... I pronounce things differently. Well, if anybody to listening to this else. can tell us the pronunciation of chiropody, chiropody, we would really appreciate it. But then you call it chorizo. Chir- chir- I call it chorizo. Oh, that is incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. I can confirm. We are going to put on a cooking channel once we're done recording this podcast. Chorizo. Yeah. Um, you don't get cover for self-inflicted ailments, <laughs> like the consequences of drug abuse and alcohol, which is very serious. Um, you don't get covered for cosmetic surgery. Everyone's disappointed by that. And also, you don't get covered for most alternative medicine. So, premiums are subject to insurance premium tax, but the benefits are paid out tax-free, and contributions paid by your employer are regarded as a benefit in kind as far as the employee is concerned. So, that just means that they're taxable. Now, long-term insurance, we're going to talk about this, but it's no longer sold. It is still covered in the textbook, so we're going to cover it today. Okay. So the purpose of long-term care insurance was to provide funds to meet the costs of care homes when you got old. So this still runs in Germany, and it's I think it's still really popular in Germany. I mean, I'm not shocked. Care homes are so expensive. Yeah. So this was basically a prepayment scheme for care homes when you were older, but people are living longer and sometimes going into care earlier so they realised that actually as an insurance... They weren't making any money as an insurance company. They were probably paying out more than they got paid in. Yeah. So it just um, didn't... Failed. Yeah, it just failed. So it's no longer available, but that was long-term care insurance. And then there's general insurance. So general insurance can be relatable to both personal and commercial situations. So you've got things like property loss, which kind of speaks for itself. So you've got loss, theft or damage to static and movable assets, so anything from diamond rings to houses and, I don't know, tanks. Um, and then <laughs> Wait, you... wouldn't they be insured with vehicle insurance? I don't know if a tank classes as a vehicle. Can you get in it and drive? Only if you're qualified. <laughs> okay, then I might have to check that knowledge. We'll get back to you. And then you've got liability loss. So this is resulting from a legal liability to third parties like personal injury or damage to property. So the next couple of bits are restricted to commercial situations. So you've got the personnel loss, not personal loss, or it might be personal loss, but it's spelt with two N's, so I'm reading it as personnel. Relating to a person. So this is due to injury, sickness, or death of employees. You've got pecuniary loss as a result of defaulting creditors, so somebody that is not paying you what they owe you. And then you've got interruption loss, And this is when a business is not able to operate due to one of the other losses occurring. So if somebody's died in a fire or if there has been a fire on the premises or they can't operate because somebody's not paid them a bill, that's interruption loss. Some policies may combine protection against two or more types of risk and then think about comprehensive motor policies, for example, so cover to damage to the policyholder's property and to the third party property. Got it. We're going to talk about building insurance, but I'm not really going to dig deep into this except one particular section because I got the question wrong on my exam and I remember it. And I remember being like, I saw this in the textbook and I didn't think it was important. And now it turns out it's really important. 
Yeah. So buildings insurance is, and buildings are defined as anything on the premises that would normally be left behind if the property was sold. And don't be a wanker and argue that you'd leave your curtains behind. You wouldn't leave your curtains behind. People do. No, I'm not having that. (laughs) (laughs) So this generally includes sheds. They are movable, but okay, fair, I'll take the argument. Swimming pools. Imagine taking Taking your toe over the ultimate pettiness. (laughs) Yeah, sure, the the 40-foot pool comes with it. Surprise! (laughs) Walls. Can't take those when you move. Fitted furniture and all fittings and decorations. And I'm not having the curtains falls into the decorations category. No, it's not happening. So cover is normally provided against things like fire and lightning strikes explosions, subsidence and earthquakes, storms and floods, damage by vehicles and aircraft and animals, and damage by falling trees, branches or television aerials. I really enjoy that they put vehicles, aircraft and animals together. Like, <laughs> Now this is the important bit. So some types of cover are subject to the property not being left unoccupied for more than a specific period of time. Typically 30 or 60 days. See the flat. Yeah, exactly. And these include cover against damage caused by riot, civil commotion and vandalism, theft or attempted theft, or burst water pipes or oil leakages. So the one that came up with mine is what, was it what would be covered or what would not be covered? And I remember seeing riot, civil commotion and vandalism and thinking, would it be covered? Would it not be covered? So... They are covered subject to the property not being left for 30 or 60 days. Yeah. So as with all insurance, check your terms and conditions and specifically check your exclusions on your policies. Thank you, Maria. You are welcome. Working in insurance has made me nervous. (laughs) What is contents insurance? In fact, Maria, do you want to take this one? Oh, contents insurance is anything that's going to be fucking ruined if your property floods. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So cover for contents insurance is cover for stuff like accidental damage to goods while being removed by professional movers. Fun fact. Uh, Extended contents cover for specific personal property outside of the home. So sometimes you can get contents insurance that covers your phone or your laptop, even if you take it out of the house. Yeah. And damage to freezer contents due to electrical failure. And then we've got car insurance. Everybody knows what car insurance is. I'm not going to insult anybody's intelligence, but just in case you didn't know, <laughs> there's three types of car insurance. You've got third party, which is what you took out when you just passed your test because you could not afford anything else. You've got third party fire and theft, and then you've got fully comp. So there's variations on the exact nature of cover offered by different companies in different categories. But a summary would be third party only covers you for death or bodily injury to third parties, including passengers in the car. Hospital charges and emergency medical treatment charges are also covered. Damage to property. Legal costs incurred in the defence of a claim. And death, injury and damage cover is extendable to include occasions when the policyholder is using another vehicle and also to other drivers using that person's car with permission. So not if it's nicked. You got third party fire and theft. So in addition to third party cover, a third party fire and theft policy provides cover against fire, lightning or explosion damage to a vehicle and theft of the vehicle, including damage caused during a theft or attempted theft. 
And then you've got fully comprehensive cover. So you get all of that other stuff that's mentioned and you also get cover for accidental damage to the vehicle on an all-risk basis, loss or, or damage to personal items in the car, personal accident benefits and windscreen damage. We're all good with car insurance. I'm assuming nobody's got any questions about that. We've got travel insurance. Again, I'm not even going to bother digging deep into travel insurance because we all know what it is. If you go on holiday, get it. It covers your stuff for like medical care. And- also, since we left the EU, it's a fucking nightmare. You need your replacement E111 card, which is now called an EHIC or a GHIC. And you literally present it to them and they still turn around and go, well, you left the EU, so get fucked. You need medical insurance if you go abroad have you ever considered working in the travel insurance industry marie because i feel like you might have found your passion i worked in mobile phone insurance for part-time for the end of my master's degree and that was that was enough for me and the insurance industry finally on the list for today we've got payment protection insurance or ppi so (laughs) have you been missed ppi (laughs) exactly (laughs) ppi can cover monthly loan repayments If your salary is reduced due to accident, sickness or unemployment, the policy will pay out for a fixed period of time, which was usually 12 months. Now, a number of companies, including high street lenders, got fines for mis-selling this product, which went on for literal years. So a lot of customers were encouraged, mainly through really annoying TV adverts, radio Mm -hmm. adverts or cold calling, to make claims against lenders if they feel they were wrongly sold the product. And people whose claims are successful weren't only given back whatever they'd paid in, but they were also able to claim the interest this money might have accrued if it was added into a savings account. So there was a deadline of 2019. So if you've missed the boat, you've missed the boat. Where were you? Because honestly, I was about 12 and I knew what payment protection insurance was. I don't think any of us escaped unscathed from that, did we? Me either. (laughs) And that is it. That's the whole topic of the textbook. Oh, shit. We are done for today. That is all of CMAP 1, Unit 12, boxed right off. I don't know if I mentioned it at the start. I was going to say, please remember, this is not a comprehensive study guide, but in today's instance, it actually actually is a comprehensive study guide. Um, If you do want a comprehensive study guide for any of the other topics, though, you can go to the website. You can buy them for just a tenner. You can also buy all of them for the whole of the textbook, which is all 25 units broken down into fun little audio files like this for £120 and that includes an hours one-to-one session with me so just go onto the website go under products and look for the all access pass and one last thing before you go there is a brand new brand new spanking section that is not what is on the (laughs) website there is a brand spanking new section called study support so if you subscribe to it I send you hints tips exam questions and ways to pass the exam every Sunday so just put your email in there you'll get it if you don't want to put your email in there, you can find them on the blog post. I get some people are funny about that. So the information is still available. It is still free. Just go on the blog on the website. That's all from us for today. So my favourite people, go better yourself. Go get the career you want and go get help with your CMAP studies with Future in Finance. As always, if you have any questions, if there's anything you want to know more about, or if you just want to tell me that you're studying for your CMAP and you fell on this podcast completely by accident, but you learned something new today, then please, please, please get in touch. I love chatting with you. We've got this podcast, we've got TikTok, we've got Instagram, we've got LinkedIn. Come and say hi, however you want to. It's been an absolute dream having you here from the sunny, bright lights of Liverpool. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to catch you next week. Thank you so much. Cute outro music.